Welcome to the Off the X podcast. This is episode 11. I am Cody. I'm your host. And if you don't know about this podcast, we talk about global security operations, primarily how the U.S. government protects its diplomats overseas and the Diplomatic Security Service. Today, we're joined by three active duty State Department officials. Two are diplomatic security special agents and one operations manager, and they are uh, Supervisor Special Agent Stephen Strickland. Special Agent Maria Amaya and Operations Manager Rusty Pugh, who work at the Foreign Affairs Counter Threat Course, the FACT course, and that takes place at the FAST-C. That's the Foreign Affairs Security Training Center that is the newly established training center uh, by the Diplomatic Security Service in Blackstone, Virginia. A ton of great information by these very uh, professional special agents and operations manager, and I think you all will enjoy. So take a listen, and I'll catch you on the backside. Thanks, y'all. Out. Let's just start off. Why don't you guys start off with introducing yourselves, uh, what your position is over at FAST-C, and then a little bit about your backgrounds uh, in DS. That sounds good. All right, Cody. Well, um, I'm happy to start, and then we'll let uh, let uh, our other folks here do the same thing. So, um, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, and, and we've been looking forward to this and planning for it uh, for a couple of weeks, and we're excited to talk about FACT. Um, so, I, I came on uh, with the FACT program at the end of September um, uh, as the branch chief uh, for and for the FACT program. Um, just quickly, prior to, um, I had assignments in. Um, uh, in Pakistan, uh, I've done a couple, of course, uh, domestic assignments um, in Greensboro and in Atlanta. And overseas-wise, we're talking um, Slovenia, Erbil, uh, Dubai, Senegal. So um, I've been really fortunate. I've had a chance to um, spend some time um, in various different uh, uh, bureaus as far as you know, EUR and AF and uh, and of course, the Middle East and places like that. So, um, but again, started in September, been with DS for coming up on 16 years. I was, uh, for those uh, listening who are uh, DS agents or those who are uh, aspiring to be, I was in BSAC 86, and I think we just graduated what, BSAC 148. 148. So uh, that that seems strange, just just from a from a BSAC uh, standpoint. But yeah, so came on in 2005, early 2005, BSAC 86, and uh, had a great time with DS. Uh, fantastic organization. And um, I will tell you just quickly before I let uh, Maria and Rusty uh, introduce themselves. Um, I came into this program, like I said, in September, and uh, the previous uh, branch chief had said to me, um, and we'll probably uh, talk about him a little bit, too, at some point this evening. Uh, he said, Steve, I tell you what, man, you are coming into a great program, and the staff is fantastic. Uh, and he said, listen, man, all, all you got to do is sort of kind of keep moving in the right direction because it's going so well. All you can do is mess it up, so just don't mess it up. And I'll tell you what, within a day or two, coming on, seeing the staff, and again, they're going to you know, you know, two of our folks are going to do themselves here in a second. Uh, he was absolutely correct. So I'm, I feel it's very fortunate. Um, and um, one of the reasons, and the two, actually two of the reasons why I feel so fortunate are the folks that are sitting next to me. And with that, I will turn it over to Maria and have you uh, introduce yourself. All right. My name is Maria Maya, and I am a DS special agent. I've been with uh, diplomatic security for coming on 10 years. 
Prior to that, I was with uh, Homeland Security, and before that, I was a detective and a police officer. Before that, I was in the Army, nine years in the military. So while I've been with diplomatic security, my last post was Slovakia, and prior to that, Kabul, Afghanistan, and then two domestic posts, Seattle and New York. So I've had um, a great career, great opportunity to work with a lot of different people all around the world, literally. But I will echo Steve's comments that I am now working with uh, some of the most professional passionate and dedicated group of individuals. And it's an honor for me to be working with them. And I honestly say that the people that they serve are very, very lucky. The students, the employees that come through the program are very lucky to have them setting up the course, teaching them because they are very, very dedicated to their work. And I, I love working here. I've been with the FACT program at Fassie Blackstone for a year now, I think, just a little over a year. And it's been a great ride, and that's what I will call it, because it's been lots of ups and downs and all arounds, and every day brings something new, and it's a lot of fun. But I'll tell you, it's a lot of work, <laughs> but I'm happy to do it. The best kind of work. It really is. So I will now pass it on to Rusty Pugh. Yeah, so um, Rusty Pugh, uh, my background is military. Um, I was in uh, Special Forces. I was an 18 Echo, which is a Special Forces communicator, and an 18 Fox, which is an 18 uh, our Special Forces Operations and Intelligence NCO. Um, got out of the military and went to work for Triple Canopy, um, you know, in the early late 2003, early 2004. So the company was just getting off the ground and then uh, worked for them for a while and came over to DS training. And I worked in BSAC program. I was unit chief Atlas. I've worked with MSD, uh, BRSO in service, uh, MSAL program. And then I started working with FACT in 2013. Um, and really, for me, it was a program that a lot of people were running from, and they couldn't get anybody to, uh, to kind of go in there and take it over um, from a, a civilian standpoint. And um, so I, I said, hey, this is a really good opportunity for me. It was great for me to understand training when I was working at BSAC and at Atlas, but I got the opportunity to see the bigger picture of DS and DOS and the interagency connections um, when I started working in FACT and I started getting a lot more involved in the operations piece. So I've been with the FACT program uh, since 2013. And, uh, you know, we just moved the training center last year from uh, West Virginia to Virginia. And, uh, you know, these guys came on. So it's, it's been a ride. Yeah. Uh, Cody, I'm, I'm going to jump in there um, uh, uh, just quickly because um, just for your audience, and I, I caught myself and I apologize. And so we're going to we're going to we're going to do a good job to try to um, uh, spell out our acronyms. So it's one of those pet, pet peeves of mine, right? You know, uh, we, we we get we get uh, we get caught up in this sometimes. So uh, so if you catch us, Cody, uh, please uh, please uh, uh, for, for the sake of your audience, we're, you, you we're, we're not you know what? Uh, I had a senior level DS agent that I knew back when I was an MSG that obviously I got into DS and then he, he's, he's even more senior now. And uh, we, we remained friends. And he said, uh, after I think episode two, he's like, Hey man, you gotta 
spell out the acronyms for people. And I heard you say yeah, fact, of course, right. I, I know what fact means, uh, but I, 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 I struggle with not stepping on people when they're talking. So I'm just trying to keep my mouth shut sure. and let them uh, hear from, sure. from the people they want to hear from. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we'll get sure. to that. Thanks. Thanks. Of course, to all of you for coming on, uh, Steve, I've heard your name before my um, um, Maria. I think I've heard yours as well. I'm sure, I know we all know a bunch of the same people. And of course, uh, I was fortunate to be trained by, by Rusty back in the day. So, uh, good to have you all on. Um, so let's start, should we start out with, uh, the fast C and what it is and then break down and then get into fact just cause start, start kind of starting from the bottom down from the top down. Uh, or do you prefer uh, to go out of a different direction? No, I, I think that kind of makes some sense. Um, uh, again, <laughs> there's really not a better person that understands the sort of, um, uh, sort of evolution of our, of our training facility uh, and our facilities, especially in the last several years uh, uh, than Rusty. So uh, we'll definitely let Rusty sort of uh, um, talk about some of the sort of historical perspective, but just for the sake of your audience, if folks don't know, so it's an acronym, you know, that within the state department, even, even beyond just the security of diplomatic security, um, fast C, right? So F A S T C, uh, the Foreign Affairs Security Training Center. Um, and so uh, we moved um, and, and opened essentially fast C um, uh, in November, I think it was officially uh, uh, the opening last year, so November 2019. Um, it's, uh, is it roughly about 1,400 acres? Is that what we're kind of working right now? I think so. I think it's around 1,400 acres. Somebody will so fact check that one for sure. Um, it's a 400 and, about a $450 million uh, facility. Um, and, uh, listen, it's, it's state of the art. Um, a lot of that stuff is available to see online. Uh, CBS news came down recently, did a story. Uh, uh, again, there's a lot of open source information on, on where we are, um, uh, sort of co-located with, uh, with Fort Pickett, uh, there uh, just outside of Blackstone, Virginia. Um, but yeah, the, the evolution and how we got to FASI, uh, was certainly, um, uh, an, an interesting story. Um, and, uh, and certainly not one that was, was, um, uh, you know, happened overnight by any stretch. Um, and I think Rusty, I think, you know, if you can kind of help, help our audience, uh, sort of understand sort of that evolution, that would be, be great. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the history of, uh, diplomatic security training, um, we've needed a place where the agents could set down their rut set, so to speak, in one place and do training, um, in one place for a long time. Um, it's probably when you were going through training, it was the same thing there. Everybody was spread out all over the place. We were using, uh, training areas in Dunwaring. We were using, uh, Bill Scott Raceway. Uh, we were using Lorton, um, a training area out there. Uh, MSD was all over the place. And so, you know, trying to get some uh, training area in one specific location that we could concentrate in. Um, has, has been a really, you know, an uphill battle for DS for a long time. And so we finally got, um, you know, a situation where somebody pulled the, the trigger and, and we got, you know, Fort Pickett was the place that got picked. And um, so, you know, we started moving and that, that process of moving from the interim training facility and Summit Point, West Virginia, co-located with Bill Scott Raceway to, you know, Fort Pickett was it was a long time coming and then logistically once we started getting the wheels moving you know there was a, a lot of things that had to happen and a lot of people jumped in and, and made it happen it's like anywhere on earth when you have a training center 
Um, it takes the subject matter experts getting on the ground, dialing things in, and then, you know, making things better. So no training center ever is perfect on the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took us a lot of work to get there. But to give you a, a for instance, um, for the FACT program, it, we lost 50% of our staff uh, in the move from West Virginia to Virginia. And so, you know, not only were we moving an entire training center uh, and moving these programs, but we're also trying to rebuild staff um, in the meantime and right in the middle of it. And all this time, we were also under congressional mandates to keep training going. So there was no way that we could just stop training and say, okay, we'll just stop training for about six months. And then, you know, when we get everything hammered out at the new training facility, we'll start training up. So uh, we missed less than a month of training. Um, and the whole transition process. And a lot of people that haven't been involved with moving a training center and, and moving training like that don't really understand what that entails to, to, as you're building a training facility, you're closing one down. And as you're setting up support for the new training, you're continuing training in two places. And uh, that was, that was a hard, hard thing to do. And my background you know, when I was in the military, I did my staff time as a training NCO for a special forces line company. So I learned a lot about putting on training. Um, I learned a lot about coordinating, you know, venues, aircraft, uh, the logistics of vehicles, ammo and all that, all those things. And I thought I had a pretty good handle on training and logistics of training until I did this move. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of the very first people to move down to Fort Pickett. So I spent about a year of my life TDYing back and forth between West Virginia and Virginia. I'd go to West Virginia and we'd run classes and we were working on running the classes there. And then I'd shoot back over to Virginia and we'd be in meetings trying to make sure that everything was ready for the big move. And, um, you know, literally when we were moving into Virginia and moving into Fort Pickett, we didn't even have all the training venues completely finished. And we were having to, I mean, start training up and doing the best we could with the venues as they were. Meanwhile, we were packing up stuff in West Virginia and, you know, it was like, Hey, the lease is up. You guys have to move out. And uh, so that took, it was a Herculean effort by a lot of people. Um, There's a lot of DS agents that were at the training center at the time um, that made that happen. There's a lot of third-party contractors, PSCs and uh, civil service people that just, uh, kind of rolled their sleeves up. And it was one of those situations where when you see people and they're like, we're going to do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter what my job description is. It doesn't matter what's going on. We're going to make this happen and we won't let it fail. And I think that's a theme going back in the DS training that's kind of kept everything moving along the years um, of people that just wouldn't let anything fail. And uh, that's not to say that we didn't have a lot of support from our chain of command. We had a lot of support, you know, up and down the line. But uh, just to see some of the things that got pulled off, pretty impressive. That's awesome. Rusty, for those uh, listeners that aren't familiar with uh, FASC or maybe just learning about DS and, and the training center, can you talk a little bit about, uh, well, one, who you train and what type of training goes on there? So, uh, you know, I imagine if we combine what we did, or either one of you could, yeah, combine what we did whenever I was in Dunloring and West Virginia and everywhere else, you know, you have, you have a range, you have a, you have a skid pad, you have a, a track. Is that, is it all combined now one place? Talk a little bit about that if you could. 
Yeah, and I'll let these guys chime in too because they see a lot of it um, from the agent's perspective. But yes, so you can you can think about every place you've ever been to train, Fletzy, um, whether you've been to uh, any of the training centers around the country, um, and especially Bill Scott Raceway, and, and multiply that by 10. Um, the driving tracks we have are phenomenal. I mean, they look like something out of a, a movie. Um, everything that we had was just built much, much better. Um, the mount facility, we have a, a huge mount facility that um, we use. All kind of different units use it. Um, it's mainly a lot for the agents. Primarily what we do is train agents at the FAST-C. Um, and that, what, that's another thing that makes FACT an anomaly is because our student base are the foreign service officers that are going, you know, overseas to work at post. However, really what it comes down to, and I think one of the things that we all share is, uh, you know, our, our real clientele is the RSOs overseas because we're giving them a product. And for the first time in history, we've got 40 hours to sit in front of a bunch of foreign service officers and dovetail security and diplomacy, let them explain what an RSO does, explain what's going to happen at post and, um, how that whole relationship works and, and all they've had in the past is really uh, an hour RSO brief when somebody goes up at post. And now, so we have a big advantage now, but going back to what we have at the FAST-C, um, we have a mock embassy that is a structurally sound building. You can land a helicopter on top of it. You could do anything. You could practice NEOs there if we needed to. Um, it, it's, it's structurally sound and it's also, it's got, you know, it's huge. And, um, the driving tracks, we've got classrooms now that are, that are very up-to-date classrooms. Um, multiple ranges. Multiple ranges. We've got a shoot house. Uh, pretty much anything you would need in a training center, we, we've got it. And like I said, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, some people may point out the faults and, and say, well, this could be better or that could be better. But if you stop and take a look at things, it's really about getting everybody on the ground, getting the subject matter experts and the agents that are out there training people, letting them start to dial in this process. And that's, we're still in the very infancy. The, tomorrow is actually the one year birthday anniversary of the fast seat. So, uh, you know, if you stop and think about that, what we're doing already um, is, is pretty incredible. And if you start thinking about the five-year plan, what's well, going to happen down the road, um, it, it's, you know, I'm very optimistic to see what's going to happen in diplomatic security training. I don't know if you guys want to talk any more about the training venues or anything. No, I mean, you know, Rusty, Rusty, covered, yeah, Rusty covered that very, very well. I, I think the other thing too, um, you know, uh, Cody and, and also for, for, for our listeners too is, um, you know, um, uh, you know, folks, uh, you know, come off the bus, whether they're our, our non-security uh, um, uh, students, you know, coming to the FAC program or any of our other students. And I tell you, man, it's, it's just impressive. And unfortunately, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, in a little bit, but, you know, the COVID has sort of, um, you know, prevented some of this. But, you know, it's a place where, you know, we're, you know, prior to COVID shutdown, we had lots of visitors. People want to come out and want to see it. They want to see where their tax dollars are going. And uh, listen, I mean, it's impressive. And I think not just in the state department sort of, uh, you know, universe and not just even in the federal no. law enforcement training universe. Um, this is, it's, it's a, it's a really fantastic example of, of when we're, uh, we're utilizing and using taxpayer dollars, uh, very, very well. Um, so it's a, it really is a great facility. So you guys are doing a basic special agent course out there. Or I imagine you're doing high threat. Uh, you guys call it what Atlas now. 
And and what does Atlas stand for? Advanced Tactics Leadership and Skills course. Yeah. Okay. And what type of training do you guys? Uh, I know. I, I know this is not where you guys are working right now, but a general background of the Atlas and who goes to it, why they go to it, and the type of training that's in Atlas, if you could. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, um, it's a great question. And basically Atlas, you know, again, for just, just sort of basic, uh, basic understanding, it, it's really, uh, the, uh, the training that all agents now are required to attend again. So Cody, um, I'm pretty sure it was the same for you when you came on in 08. Is that right? You were on 08. Yeah. We weren't, requ- we weren't required yeah. to, to take it then right, it wasn't re- unless we go to high throat. Right. Right. Right, right, and, and, and that was the same for me. I came on in 05, and Maria, I think it's probably the same. It's still the same. Right. It's still the case. Yeah. So, uh, but now it's an add-on to to, to BSAC, um, which it was when I came through in 2000. Was it okay? Yeah. So, so, so now, now it is again. Unlike when you and I came on, Cody, it's a, it's a required um, uh, additional part of, of of the BSAC sort of uh, program. It's 11 weeks, um, and uh, yeah, it basically prepares our agents. With a uh, with a uniform set of skills to be able to operate and to operate in, in, in our high threat posts, um, and uh, so um, it's it's kind of you know in some respects uh, a lot of the sort of similar uh, tactics from a from a security standpoint, but just obviously beefed up, right? So you know when you go through like a BSEC, you're doing protection, right? You're doing basic dignitary protection, and we all kind of remember that when we went through our basic special agent uh, training course. Well, we're doing protection too, but obviously it's a much different piece for rolling in armored vehicles, and we're in sort of high pro and low pro sort of you know protective gear, and um, or of course the weapon systems that we're training on in, in, in our high threat or our Atlas course are obviously um, um, uh, different uh, in many ways. Um, there are additional sort of weapon systems that uh, that we're able to train with. Um, so yeah, it's just basically um, you know a course that enables our, our agents uh, to operate uh, safely and effectively, um, and of course to ensure the safety of our diplomats in our facilities uh, in our uh, high threat posts. And it makes all of our agents um, um, deployable to those locations, um, even if that's not an actual um, you know, permanent assignment for them. They can go TDY, um, um, and they can sort of augment um, uh, sort of. Uh, security needs at post because we all have this yeah, uniform set of, uh, you know, high threat training. Hey, uh, so, all right, let's, let's, let's get to the fact. Uh, so tell us what the acronym is and that's, this is your guys specialty, right? This is where you and Maria, it's your focus. Uh, actually are all of you under fact or rusty? Are you more operations manager kind of for the whole fast C or how's it work? So no, we all, we all work for, um, facts. Um, okay. We don't let Rusty. I know. Listen, Rusty's way too valuable, man. He's, uh, he's he belongs to fact and 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 listen, man. His 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 daily rental fee to do anything else is very very steep. Yeah. So we uh, we keep him as close hold as possible. But no, in all seriousness, Rusty. And I'm not just saying this. Rusty is one of the most. Um, um, uh, um, important and valuable um, um, assets that we have, not just at FAC, but honestly at FASC. But yes, he is ours, uh, and, we, uh, and, and we're not letting him go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Steve is the branch chief. Um, Maria is, is, is program manager, basically, for all intents and purposes, and, and you know, I'm the operations chief. And, and basically, you know, I can, I can break that down into we basically – show up every, work, every day at work and we start reacting to crises at about 7.45 <laughs> and then somewhere around 4 o'clock um, we just kind of 
stand up and leave. Because <laughs> you know? there's no way I can sit here and say, yeah, all the crises and problems are solved. Let's go home. Uh, yeah. That never happens. But uh, no, in all seriousness, so, so the, the fact course is a foreign affairs counter threat course. Um, the background is it started out as DSAC, which is a diplomatic security and terrorism course. Um, and then it went to IFIT, um, which is the Iraqi field immersion training. And then that kind of evolved into what was called hot sauce. And hot sauce is the online version of, of the fact course. Um, and then that turned into the fact course. And right around 2013, um, post Benghazi, you had the ARB. And um, the accountability, yeah, the accountability review, review board, yeah, big yep. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So the Benghazi Accountability Review Board, that's when they came back and they said, OK, listen, we're going to make um, fact mandatory for everybody. So they figured out a rollout and that rollout was over four years. All the bureaus would fall under it. And then everybody going to post, no matter what post you're going to, was mandated to go to uh, the fact course and fact training. And it's kind of evolved from 2013. There's um, a guy named Dave Farthing, Special Agent Dave Farthing, was over the um, the fact course uh, when I got pulled in. After the Accountability Review Board, I was over in the High Threat Course, which is now Atlas. Um, and so me and a guy named Richard Fritz, who was a special agent over um, the High Threat Course at the time, ended up writing the 11-week course because the ARB said, hey, this is we need more training for the agents. Um, in the past, I had worked for Triple Campy and taught the WHIPS training for the, uh, the contractors. And we were kind of looking at it and we were like, what the agents need is a lot more. It needs to be a lot more involved than what the, the contractors are getting. So they bumped it up to 11 weeks. Um, in the meantime, the FACT program started gaining steam. And like I said, there was a lot of people that didn't want to have anything to do with it because it wasn't sexy. And in the beginning of fact, you had a lot of people that the instructors, the training instructors that were military or law enforcement, and they're really used to teaching military and law enforcement. So you could stand up in front of them and talk at them and, and nobody cared. But when they, when they did that to the foreign service officers, all of a sudden we just had this huge clash and it was a culture clash. So there were constantly complaints on the instructors. There was constant issues with, you know, the people would come to the course. It had a bad reputation because they didn't want to come there. There was these rumors that if you went there, you were going to get mistreated and, and there were going to be a bunch of Marine Corps drill instructors yelling at you. And um, it kind of got, you know, it, it, it had this little nickname called the Crash and Bane course. And then it, it started being a negative connotation. Um, in that community to the crash of Bancor. So at any rate, um, Dave Farthing uh, started the program in 2013 and got, got a lot of the base work going. And then uh, he turned it over to a special agent, Sean Sherlock. And that's right about the time that I came on. And um, so a lot of the beginning of fact was Sean Sherlock and I kind of trying to take everybody, bring the instructors in, and work with these guys on how to stand in front of this audience and understand the student demographic and how to stand up in front of them and talk about, you know, hard skills and how we, and we really had to sell that. And then we also, at the same time, we were trying to market the fact course. We were trying to basically tell everybody in the, the whole world what the fact course was. So we were, you know, there's over 30 different agencies that are involved in going to the fact course. And 
we had to go out and, and start telling these people about this government mandate that was, you know, something that they had to do. You have to send your people to this training. And so we're trying to sell the course. We're trying to make sure that we can deliver the course like we need to. And, um, and it was pretty hard. And so it, it took a lot of just Sean Sherlock and I pounding the ground, going into D.C. almost weekly, um, sitting down with these people, letting everybody know. And then at the same time, um, working through the DS channels and trying to sit down with everybody and go, okay, this is what we're trying to do. This is the things we need to make it happen. And um, there was the 13 fam, which, you know, the references, you know, these are all the, the mandates that people have to go through um, for pre-deployment training before they go overseas. And we were in the middle of, you know, changing that, giving input on that. And then there's just, there's just all this stuff going on at the same time. And it's also not fair to talk about this because at that same time where Sean and I were, you know, we were door to door, you know, vacuum cleaner salesman for the fact course, um, Jessica Williams, who is somebody that's been with the fact course since Dave Farthing was there. Um, she was an instructor with me at BSAC. Um, she's, the glue that holds the fact course together when it comes to the administration and the operations stuff. And she's somebody that just, you know, every time we came back and they said, listen, you guys need to grow this course more. And it's great that you're running, you know, 25 students a week, but you need to figure out how to run 50 students. And as soon as we got up and run with 50 students, they'd come back and say, you know, 50 students is great, but you need to figure out how to run a hundred. And it just it never stopped. And, and every time we would come back to Jessica and say, how, how are we going to figure this out? She would just like a Rubik's cube, you know, she would sit there and, and she was able to come up with these uh, schedules. And, and it got to be a running joke that, you know, no matter what they threw at us, well, we could probably, you know, Jessica could figure out how we could do it. And fact turned into this enormous pre-deployment course that grew well beyond what we were expecting. And, and it is today, it's the single largest civilian pre-deployment course in the world. And DS owns that. And um, it's grown from literally, when I first came on in 2013, they were running 24 students a week. And, um, you know, pre-COVID, we were up to 180 a week. And, um, you know, we've it, it, it's a numbers game, but it's, it's one of these things where people that understand training if you start to talk about the magnitude of what we pull off every week, um, it's pretty impressive. On top of that, the fact course is an anomaly in every single way it can be. We're not like any of the other training courses. Um, in, in every way we can be different, we're different, you know, starting with our student base. Because you know as well as I do, you can take a bunch of DS agents bring them in. And if you work them till six o'clock, because you've got to, you know, get something done or they're not getting it and they're not figuring it out and, and you go, then you go until the standards met. Right. But when you start dealing with foreign service officers, then all of a sudden, you know, it's like people walk up to you and say, Hey, I'm from this agency and we're not budgeted for overtime. So you can't, we can't work me. And so there's all these things that all these hurdles that we've, we've had to deal with from the beginning. And it's been, um, it's been quite an adventure. And like I said, for me, um, learning the training aspect and, and uh, Atlas or High Threat and BSAT, I learned a lot about diplomatic security training. Well, when I went over to the FACT course, I started learning a lot about diplomatic security, how it feeds into 
Department of State and how Department of State feeds into all the other agencies that we work with. And for me, that's been really, really eye-opening. I don't know if you guys want to talk about me. This, this, this of course, sounds, sounds amazing. Let me ask you this. So I remember uh, uh, Foreign Service officers talking about they went to crash and bang, and that was only before they went to high threat posts. So now the DS agents are all going through Atlas. Is, are, are, is every Foreign Service officer before any overseas assignment coming through fact? Yes. So every single uh, employee under the security responsibility of the Secretary of State with some caveats is supposed to go through the backed course, which uh, I don't know if we've talked about this, but it is a five-day, you know, 40-hour security hard skills aware, uh, sorry, hard skills security awareness course. Yeah, I definitely want to dig dig deep into that. Uh, I want to ask you, if they fall under State Department security for the State Department, um, if they fall under, for example, Chief of Mission Authority, so say it's uh, you know Department of Agriculture, Foreign Affairs, Foreign Agriculture Service, mm-hmm. those okay. guys will fall under Chief of Mission. So those are the types of people. That you, Rusty mentioned different agencies. Those are the types of agencies that are coming yeah. to get this training. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that's right, Cody. So, I mean, so the, I guess maybe the hopefully the, the most simple way to say it would just be um, any uh, U.S. government official who is assigned overseas um, uh, and will be operating overseas under chief mission authority, regardless of agency, um, is required to do fact. Now, it also extends to folks that are overseas, not permanently, but in TDY, that's more than 90 days. Um, are also required to do to do this fact course. So yes, the vast majority, understandably, of our students are State Department employees. But absolutely, we have FBI, Secret Service, like you said, Agriculture. We have uh, obviously a ton of our partners with, with through all sort of manners of, uh, of, of the Department of Defense, of course. But yes, um, uh, that's exactly right. It's anybody under Chief of Mission Authority. That's right. So you're putting uh, Secret Service agents and other federal agents under the FACT course to go overseas, yeah? Yeah, I mean, again, and that's, and that's just, that's a congressional, that's a U.S. government mandate now, again, as of, as of 2019. Okay. And, and, uh, and, so, and so, for example, you, know, you, you, kinda, you, you mentioned a good example. In fact, we were on a phone call today with, with our partners over at the Secret Service. The Secret Service does have training, right? You know, they have existing training, and so... So um, um, those, uh, those, there are some agencies, and the Secret Service would be one of them, and there are, I think, 30 other ones, um, uh, that, that uh, they may not come to fact, meaning at, you know, picket at Blackstone at Fast C, but what we are also responsible for um, is uh, what we call uh, fact equivalency certifications, which basically means, again, to use, uh, to use the Secret Service as an example, um, we, we will go and we will basically certify that the training that the Secret Service is already providing their agents prior to sending any of their agents overseas. And again, obviously, that number is much smaller, right? The Secret Service attaches that are permanently stationed overseas or about to spend 90 plus days overseas, obviously, is exceedingly smaller in number than obviously the State Department, of course. But what we'll do is we will go to the Secret Service and we will certify that the training that they are providing to those agents or attaches or personnel going overseas meets fact standards, right? And so again, that belongs to us uh, and belongs to our program. We have a we have a, a very robust equivalency and certification program that literally goes out to our partner agencies 
uh, and ensures that the training that they are providing meets that congressional mandate and meets those fact training standards. Okay. Tracking. Uh, Maria, I think you're, would you mind, or one of you, and I think it's Maria, that would, would you mind getting into what you guys do at FACT? Like what type of training you put these uh, civilians through? Sure, I would be more than happy to talk about that. So, so the course, I'm not going to go into the fine details, but I will give a, a brief overview. Uh, they learn driving, they go through a driving course, they go through a medical, basic medical course, they go through uh, some security awareness, a little bit of uh, security awareness as it comes as it, in terms of social media. They learn about planning, how to, how they learn a little bit about how DS agents plan and the State Department as a whole does their planning. And then um, we teach them a little bit of a, uh, a, a different version of planning. Uh, we take away a lot of the military and law enforcement terminology and we use more of the civilian terminology uh, just because we're trying to change it and we're trying to we know our audience and we're speaking to them definitely but we also do some self-defense for overseas travel and i know if we hear if we have some in the audience that are either prior law enforcement uh, or military would know would be familiar with defensive tactics and that's definitely not what we teach we teach self-defense mm -hmm. so it's a little bit different in that perspective and then we also teach uh some ballistics very basic information on explosives familiarization um and then we also teach a little bit of um uh within that react to contact is that explosive familiarization and then you know a little bit about um indirect fire and direct fire what that is again we don't go into the fine details we only have one week of and 40 hours to go through the training but in that we can give a brief overview of that. Uh, we also teach about how overseas fire is used as a weapon and can be used and has been used. And that came out of the accountability review board for Benghazi when uh, our, one of our locations was hit in, uh, in Libya. And so we teach them how to escape a burning building, basically how to best escape it. Cause I don't know that, you know, how to best escape it would be the best way to explain that. Um, and then we do have them, we ensure that they're, that they're able to, uh, they're familiar with how to wear uh, PPE. And I know that PPE has now post COVID has become a terminology that's used as far as in terms of wearing gloves and masks and all that. But for us, PPE has historically been Kevlar, helmets and and vests so that's what they have to wear and so they have they learn how to wear that and how to go up and down stairs and, and make sure that they're physically fit enough able to to go up two flights of stairs and, and do that and then we also teach them how to board a helicopter and um how to approach a helicopter so those are some of the basic courses or basic classes within the course that the fact students go through so you're saying they only have to do eight hours and five days, uh, 40 hours and five days, and all this stuff that sounds like a blast, and people give you pushback for that? 
<laughs> we, we don't really get, you know, to be honest with you, I, I would say 99% of the people that come through our training now leave with a really, really good feeling yeah. about DS and about the training. Um, there's always going to be people when they show up that it, it, either they've heard things about the course that it's scary or, or whatever. Um, but usually by about Tuesday or Wednesday, when they start to see that they're, they're being treated very respectfully, um, we've got an incredibly professional staff and, um, and we're, we're our staff, the one thing that I have to give everybody that's associated with fact kudos for is those guys show up every day and their job, their number one goal in life is to make sure they're going to provide the very best training for these foreign service officers can. And I, and I completely believe that these guys show up day in, day out, and they, they answer questions, you know, they put, they present the material and these guys are all subject matter experts. I mean, if you go sit in the back of one of our classrooms and you listen to these medics, these guys have had their hands, people's guts, they save people's lives. They've had, you know, they, they, every one of those guys have just great experiences and, you know, and great backgrounds. Same way with our driver's cadre, you know, it's the same way you just go down the list. Every, every instructor, you know, if you just see the, these guys getting asked questions in the way they're just, they're just articulate. They just can stand there and they answer the questions and they're comfortable because they're so comfortable with the, the, uh, the material. And um, so I, I think that's carried over. And, and I think for the most part, we've got a pretty good reputation um, from people that have gone through the training. We're getting a lot better with people showing up day one and, and not really, you know, being apprehensive or having anxiety about the training. Um, but another thing you got to remember and something that, you know, is, is important to factor in is this is mandatory training to put right in the middle of these people's lives when they're trying to PCS the post. So they've got a million things going on, you know, and then on top of trying to get their families opposed, on top of, top of trying to get their dog shots and vet records and, and everything that comes along with that stuff, we throw five days of mandatory training out, you know. And so that there's a human element involved that, you know, it's just always going to be there. Um, but I think on our end, um, I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, what we've got um, as far as the professionalism and we've got, you know, one thing that would be fair for us to talk about fact without our coordinator staff, because every group and we usually will run six groups in a week. And every group has a coordinator assigned to that group. And when a, when a, a group of students show up at the, um, uh, the hotel on Sunday right now, there's a coordinator standing at the hotel. They greet them. They help them process them. They get briefed by one of the leadership people. In fact, they get briefed by right now a COVID um, briefing. And then when they show up on Monday for training, the first thing that happens is the coordinator assigned to that group gets on the bus, welcomes them to the fast and is there with them. And they're the last person at the end of the day on Friday that puts them on the bus and tells them goodbye. And I, and I think that that's a super important aspect to this because of the demographic of students that we have. Um, you don't have to do that with agents. You just don't. But the reality of it is those little things we're doing and every time somebody in the class has a question, a problem, an issue, they turn around and there's somebody within arm's length that's there to answer their questions. And I think that, um, you know, thank God that our chain of command, you know, from the beginning, I've been here since 2013, has understood the importance of those coordinators. They understand that they are the face of DS for the week. You know, that's what 
The first face that you see to represent diplomatic security are the fact coordinators for the people that come to that course. And it's super important. And then, um, you know, it's, it's a huge responsibility on, on us. It's a huge responsibility on the DS agents that are over fact, you know, like, like Steve and Maria, but, um, we have to make sure that these people that show up, you know, again, I, I can't stress enough that it's you're, you're you've got 40 hours to stand in front of these people and give a lasting impression of DS so that when they go to post the impression we get, if it's good, that's going to carry over to the RSOs. But if it's bad, it's also going to reflect bad on DS and we've done the, the RSOs a disservice. So, um, it, you know, this course, there's a lot more responsibility on us in a bit bigger picture. And, and then the, 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 you know, the big scheme of how TOS is working all over the world and just providing, you know, some training. And I have to back up what Rusty's saying, because I think it's vitally important that our listeners, whether they're foreign service officers that have gone through the course, that are looking forward to attending the course, that are maybe not looking forward um, to it, or that are not even employees uh, of the State Department or of the other agencies, but will have to attend the course, is that our objective every day and every week is to make sure that the students come to the course, they get the best training from the most professional instructors, they at all they have all their questions answered, that they enjoy themselves, and that all of the logistics are taken care of so they don't have to think about that. So that they know exactly what's happening when the schedules are provided to them. And, and I also have to talk a little bit about the coordinators because the coordinators have smiles on their faces that the word positivity just really is their theme. I mean, if they could each have a name tag that said, I, you know, hi, my name is positive because they really do. Their objective is to try and they will try their hardest to answer your question. If they don't know it, they're going to go find the answer um, and come back to you and give you that answer. And we have, I mean, these coordinators are, I, I just, I, I you know, we have a professional chef as a coordinator. We have professional teachers that have been uh, teachers in the education system for over 15 years. We have a former FBI agent that's a coordinator. What else do we have, guys, that you know of that, I mean, we have professionals as coordinators and they come in ready to do their job every day with a smile on their face. I see them walking in, they greet all of us every day when they walk in and they work very hard to make sure every I is dotted and every T is crossed. So I think that's important to remember and to point out the, the work that they're doing as well. And our job is not to make it difficult for any student to get through. You know, sometimes from the student's perspective, it may seem that way, but we're trying, we're looking to get the answers um, we're working hard to make sure that everything is smooth for the students, that it's, that it's pleasant and that you have a, have a good time, you know, that hopefully you enjoy yourselves. And at the end of the week, maybe, hopefully we've imparted a little bit of knowledge, even if you come from a law enforcement background, even if you come from a military background, heck, I sit through the classes sometimes and I learn a little something each time I go through it. And I've been through the course, I don't know how many times with all of our equivalencies and just observing the classes. So uh, hopefully at the end of the week, we've imparted a little bit of knowledge in all the students and they go, go home and, and, and they're a little bit more aware when they head off to post or they can even use the security 
skills that they've learned maybe domestically. And we have had examples of that here in the States where they have had medical emergencies and they used what we taught them. You know, we're teaching them medical training that it, you can't get that here in the United States. It costs thousands of dollars to go, to go through the course. And I don't know that a lot of people realize that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, it's also really important to point out is that our job and what everybody takes very seriously is that we're not a gatekeeper. Um, so there's, there's in the past, you know, I've heard some people that have made mention that, you know, that fact is some kind of a gate to go through that they have to. And, um, you know, we take it very seriously that we, we, there's a lot of reasonable accommodations that we work with people every week, every single week. And these coordinators are the ones that are, they're um, the boots on the ground on, on a lot of those reasonable accommodations. And they're sitting down with people, they're working through them. Um, you know, if we can go through the system and we know that somebody has an, a reasonable accommodation we need to meet prior to them going through the course and they go through, you know, offices like, um, you know, DRAD, which is the Department of Reasonable Accommodation. Um, if, if, if we know that, that's great. But most of the time, it's somebody that shows up and says, hey, this is an issue that I've got. And, you know, we, we deal with it right there. So we're trying to train people and give them the best training we can to make them, you know, to increase their survivability in a bad situation and make them more effective in a crisis. Um, and we're training them to the best level that we can, um, that they're able to train to. Um, so it's not one of these courses that, um, you know, we, we lose 30%. Uh, we have a 30% attrition rate because they can't pass the course. We do everything we can to bring them in and, and work with what we've got to get them all the training we can before they go overseas. Sounds like you're working with a lot of variables uh, throughout the course uh, to get, you know, people the education they need. Uh, to head out overseas. Um, to Maria's point, she was talking about the coordinators and the different jobs they had before. And I feel like that's reflective of the state department and, and DS in general. I mean, we get, we get people from all over from different backgrounds. Remember, Maria, you said you were a former cop. Uh, we have former Marines. We have accountants. I think we had a librarian one time. I mean, a little bit of everything in DS, but also the state department. I mean, the reality is that, you know, um, you know, the adage, right, Cody, we've all heard this, right? DS, you know, what does that stand for? And listen, you know, there's all, all sorts of things we can say. But the bottom line is, is man, you know, DSHs do something, right? And, and basically, we get stuff done. Um, and, you know, our agents overseas and, um, you know, again, you know, in places that, again, I mean, most people, uh, you know, can't even find that on a map, right? But, you know, let's be honest, we were chatting with a colleague of ours the other day who was, RSO in, uh, in Mongolia. Well, what's the capital of Mongolia? Well, it's interesting. You know, what percentage of the American population can tell you the capital of Mongolia? I tell you about every DS agent and foreign service officer can, right? It's not because we're ever going to go and serve there. It's because at some point we probably researched it because we thought we might go there. <laughs> so, I mean, all that to say that places like, Mo- places like Mongolia have, have, have the expertise of, 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 of U.S. Uh, law enforcement and security officers um, uh, you know, that, that fall under the Bureau of Diplomatic Security. So, you know, we ought to be proud, uh, yeah, certainly be proud of that. Um, the other thing I, I, I do want to say, just kind of following up with, you know, just with, with, with what Rusty and, uh, and uh, Maria said um, about our instructors in particular, our coordinators uh, especially as well. But um, so one of the things that's really important for me from a leadership standpoint is um, 
you know, our instructors, uh, we've got about 25 that are just specific to FACT. There's, there's far more instructors at FASC that help support the FACT program. But just in the FACT program, we've got about 25 instructors. And um, I went, went, went across the hall to our instructor, Cadre, a couple of days ago and was just kind of doing some real basic math. I'm like, all right, 25, 25 of our instructors, you know, with various, you know, military and law enforcement, other security things. And we came up with a number, Cody, that conservatively, when a student comes to fact, they're going to be exposed to over 300 years of combined security experience when uh, when they walk through that, that training with us uh, during the course of, of a five-day period. That's pretty impressive. Um, now, all that to say, and, and you know, our team knows this because, I, you know, it's, you know, it's something I, I – uh, you know, I think I, I try to I try to, to you know sort of be uh, consistent about um, preaching, and I can get on a soapbox from time to time. I admit, um, I've said to our guys, listen, uh, our, our 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 crew and our leadership team and our and our instructors, listen, I don't care how much experience or how much expertise you have, and that's all great, that's all important. But the bottom line is, the most important skill is those interpersonal skills. Um, it's how you treat people, and uh, and that's just not for a fact, but that's just sort of a, sort of a, a thing that's important. Um, uh, as we as we go about life, of course. Um, so one of the things that, uh, that that we are really proud of, uh, like Rusty said, is our our, our instructors are just uh, experts um, in security uh, um, uh, disciplines. They know how to communicate with people, and we tell our fact students that listen, when you come, when you get off that bus every morning, you're going to be met with coordinators and uh, fact instructors uh, that absolutely have your best interest and your success at heart. Um, and again, that, that makes me proud from, from my position uh, as the branch chief, knowing uh, that from um, uh, every individual is committed to the success of other people, right? And in any success that the leadership team has or any, any one person has is a combined and accumulative effort. And that's really, really important to, to us here in, uh, in the FACT program. Yeah, well said. I, uh, Julie and I on the last podcast talked about this at length, um, the importance of building relationships and having those interpersonal skills to build relationships, particularly well all over the department. But when you're at post, you know, you're, you're a family out there and you, you could be a family that gets along or a family that doesn't get along. And it could be, you know, a, a small post with not too many of you. And, you know, we, we, we kind of harped on it and I do this as well in other podcasts, uh, the interpersonal skills and critical thinking skills are what's going to make you successful as a DS agent from right. um, the, right. you know, the Rusty, you, you and, Rusty and his guys will give you the yeah. hard skills, the tools to get that done, but right. you, you need those soft skills to be successful. Well, I was just going to say that too, you know, so one of the things that I was fortunate to do, Cody, um, when I came back domestic from um, a good chunk of time overseas is I was able to uh, spend a good amount of time in our, um, in our uh, sort of recruiting um, office and doing like BEX panels, you know, basic examinations and, and hiring our new agents. And I'll tell you, and so th- those folks that are listening that are might be, you know, sort of interested in, in thinking about it, I'm telling you what differentiates, what differentiates uh, uh, potential agents these days is not just the resume and not just the experience, right? Right. Cause a lot of those resumes, especially folks that are coming from law enforcement and military, a lot of those resumes and experiences, you know, look kind of similar, but it's just like you said, Cody, I'll tell you, it's all about soft skills. And, and I, and I have a very, very clear uh, memory when I was uh, sitting in my office in Northern Iraq and um, uh, trying to um, uh, 
uh, go through the what we call the um, consultative process to get a to get an RSO, a senior RSO job. And I remember I was interviewing with with a, uh, one particular post, and the DCM said to me, "Hey, Steve, listen, just out, just out of curiosity, first question: What's the most important skill um, uh, needed to be a good RSO?" And for the listeners that, that may not know. Uh, regional security officer, you know, and, uh, and, and I, so I paused for a second and I just, I, I, and, and I was absolutely convinced that, that the most important skill, um, is, um, uh, is the ability to work with people. Um, and, uh, listen, we can teach and, and other folks, you know, like you said, Rusty can teach it, teach us the hard skills, but if we can't get along with people, and if we can't pull, pull people along and get people to sort of pull in the same direction, um, listen, to, to be really, you know, sort of blunt about it, um, your usefulness as, as, a, as a DS agent, if you can't get along with people, is going to be limited. Uh, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself isolating yourself, uh, and, and, that's, and that, that's not a career that anybody wants, right? Those interpersonal skills are absolutely critical, man. It's like, to your point, Cody, soft skills, man. It's all about soft skills. Yeah, I think there's a ton of value in that, uh, Steve. What, uh, well, hey, listen, I held you guys for an hour. What else, what else we got? Um, are you guys? We got all kinds of stuff, man. Cody, we'll go. Woo, we can go. We can go all night, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, now, 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 now. The truth is, how much of this is going to pass? Uh, right. You pass right. the muster and not get us in trouble. Now that's a different story. But yeah, but we can tell you some stories, man. No, we're uh, yeah. we're happy to talk about talk about anything. I, I I think also too. Sorry, Cody. I will say this, man. And um, and this, this may sound uh, you know, this may sound uh, you know self serving to the fact program, but I promise you, it's not. Um, because listen, listen, we all know, we all know how important leadership is. It doesn't matter where it's at. And I'll, just, I'll tell you right now that, um, uh, uh, again, this is absolutely no comment on past, previous, future, whatever, um, uh, at all. But we, um, uh, in our FACT program feel incredibly, uh, well supported. Um, just a quick little sort of inner, inner working, how that works is myself as the branch chief. Um, sort of oversee the entirety of that FACT program. But of course, everybody has a boss, right? And so my boss is our division chief, right? And I'll tell you, our division chief at, at FACT is a gentleman, an agent by the name of John Correcki. And John is incredibly supportive of the FACT program. Uh, he's a guy who, um, who every day comes in and works hard to make sure that we have what we need and is fighting for us and is continually um, um, you know, pushing uh, to, to help us achieve the goals that we need. He's a huge fan, huge supporter of FACT. And uh, so we, we, we say it all the time, like how grateful we are to have to have John as our division chief. And then honestly, we have a new uh, uh, fact, or pardon me, fast C director, Sean Serker. And so I, I, I'm lucky because I, Sean and I got to work together in Dubai a decade ago. And so when I found out he was going to be the new director um, of fast C, I knew, hey man, another advocate, just a fantastic agent. I mean, I won't even go, I, I wouldn't even want to go into his, his resume, but the man has got skills and experiences that, you know, are just incredibly valuable. To have him as the director of FASC is an incredible blessing. Um, and then you kind of go all the way up through our, uh, our, our director of training uh, and the, uh, uh, the, the deputy assistant secretary for training is Wendy Bastion. And again, very, very fortunate. I was able to serve with Wendy when we were in northern Iraq. So um, um, uh, that doesn't happen all the time where you truly understand what your leadership looks like. And I'm telling you, FASC in general, but FACT specifically, has a fantastic uh, 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 leadership train moving both up and down our program. And we're very, very fortunate to have those, those people um, in the positions they are right now. You tell Karetki he should be thankful that you're on the podcast. 
being as art- <laughs> being, being as articulate as you are, because let's he couldn't do it. I'll challenge him to come on the podcast. I know John. I know John uh, well. Yeah. Uh, we were in Baghdad together, um, and uh, I did I, was, yeah. I don't know how many yeah. uh, SD trips with him when he was. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I think he was uh, AIC, one of the AICs there. Uh, but yeah, John's yeah. John's great. Cracks me up. Good sense of humor. Uh, um, and I know I know of Wendy. I probably crossed Wendy a couple times. Uh, of course, Wendy was there. Yeah. You you and Wendy were there probably a year before I got there. I got the, I to or Bill. Sorry, when I say there. I mean or Bill. Yeah, yeah. I was in her Bill in 2014. Yeah. So uh, um, I remember okay. uh, her yeah. name coming around a couple times. Um, sure. But yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great that your, your guys' relationships, you know, matter, you know, the, from, from leader to, to, uh, to follower. And, and it, it kind of breeds down into, to the instructors and people, you know, for getting the training. Um, yeah, it really does. Cody, and can I, I'm sorry, can I, can I say one please, more thing? Please. I think it's really important to me. It's, it's really important to me, especially again, as the branch chief. Um, and I kind of mentioned this early on is, um, uh, it really, I, I don't know that it, that it can be appropriately quantified or qualified, um, how important, um, special agent Chuck Sherlock, uh, was to this program. Was it, was it, so it was a five or six years, Rusty? He was five going on six. Yeah, five going on six. So, so again, a shout out, a shout out to, uh, yeah. to our colleague who, um, just, we have just a ton of respect for who's actually in Reveal now, Cody, as, as he's a, as a deputy RSO in Reveal right now, Sean Sherlock. Um, this program, man, has his fingerprints and, and, and his DNA um, uh, from top to bottom. And, and the guy, um, I, I, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to describe the, the, uh, the, the, the effort and, and what he was able to pull off. And I'm telling you, man, there were some frustrating days for Sean that I, that I won't even uh, begin to sort of try to understand because uh, it's never easy. But I'm telling you, any success that the FAT program has um, cannot be um, divorced uh, from the efforts of, uh, of Special Agent Sherlock. So, Sean, I hope you're listening out there, man. We, uh, uh, we owe you a debt of gratitude, and, and people, people remember you remember you fondly, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just, 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 just can't, can't speak too highly of, of his efforts, man. Absolutely. I agree with you. I only had the opportunity to work with him for only six months before COVID hit and uh, he sailed his ship <laughs> to training. So he took off. He had to go to training before heading off to Erbil. But, yeah. you know, so I only had six months with him. But uh, I knew that that every all the effort that he had, had done over the previous really six years, because this was going to be his sixth year, yeah. uh, the end of his sixth year, but all of the efforts that he, he put in to, to the program and made it what it is today to include the the fact logo and what we see as as fact today which we're all very proud of and so, so, Sean, Sean, which, which, which we're updating, buddy. But, 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 but that's, but that's not because what Sean did is not, is not right. But actually we're following Sean's lead, man, because we're always leading forward. We're always pushing forward. And so, and so, yeah, Sean, so, so Sean, no offense, buddy. When you see the new fact logo, it is, it is not, not a reflection of any, anything that you did or didn't do, buddy. I promise. <laughs> anyway, the seriousness that I was talking about. <laughs> no, I echo I echo uh, Steve's comments about him because uh, he did work hard to make the program what it is today. Yeah. And it's always easier to follow along and and continue to work with the mold that's been created. But that that first mold is is a tough a tough job, and um, yeah. so I I'm very grateful for everything that he put into it as well. 
Yeah, and, and the whole time that uh, I got to work with Sean, I mean, one of the things he brought to the table, the interpersonal skills that, you know, um, Steve talked about, obviously had a lot to do with where we are today, but also he just had an uncanny ability. He had vision mm. of, you know, more than anybody, in my opinion, of where the program needed to go. Um, and, and, you know, he saw what it was going to be uh, before any of the rest of us. And so I was just kind of, you know, along for the ride to kind of help make that happen. But um, Sean was the one that was really saying, you know, and, and it was interesting because he was briefing senior leadership on what would be happening. In fact, you know, right now, um, three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and he, he saw it coming, you know, and, and it was crazy. You know, Maria and I started crunching numbers after he had left. And he had predicted, he said, this is, you know, there's some policy changes coming around and this is about what you're going to end up with this percentage. And it was like, what, four or 5% off from mm-hmm. what we actually ended up dealing with. And that was, um, that, you know, so that guy brought a lot to the table, but that was one of the major things that he brought to the fact um, course and, and where we are. Um, Cody, before you've been there too, let me, let me just say this as well, again, about um, just again, sort of the vision piece that sort of, that, that Russia just said. So here's here's a, here's a pretty, I think, a pretty awesome uh, awesome reality. Um, so uh, any 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 foreign service officer who's listening to this, or whether whether a generalist or a specialist, understands that you know when, when you first come out with the State Department, if you're lucky enough to get hired, if you're a generalist, uh, you're going to go through orientation. Right? We all go through an orientation period, and that orientation, right? Uh, everybody understands it's called A100, right? And that's that's for generalists and then specialists. You know, we go through our own sort of unique specialist orientation. And again, for your listeners who may not know who specialists are, I mean, these are not just DS agents, but you're talking about our doctors and our engineers and our office management specialists and whatever. And so we have our own own own, own orientation. Now, I was just on the phone last week with uh, our, our our good colleagues at FSI, and you know, they've had to combine those two orientations, and it's now it's done being done all virtual. For you know, for obvious reasons, because of COVID, um, but uh, but the plan, I think, again, it's not been uh, confirmed yet, is that they'll eventually break those back off again, and, and again, there'll be these separate orientations. So now, Cody, if you remember, man, like when we started, right? You know, we'll meet and we'll interact with our generalist colleagues, but we don't really do that as agents until we're overseas, right? And there you go, you get your political section, your consular section, whatever. But you know, their experience in the foreign service up to that point. We really don't have any sort of like context. We don't really understand it. But here's the beauty of what fact has become because of this, you know, this now you know, mandate. Fact becomes the common foreign service experience, right? If you think about it, every specialist, every generalist has to go through fact. Um, and, then, and then not only that, it also gives us a link to our interagency partners now that we're going to be working with overseas as well. So when we're sitting across that table, right, at a country team meeting at, you know, U.S. Embassy, you, you know, you name the country, and you're chatting with not just your political section chief, but maybe you're chatting with your, your, uh, your FBI uh, attache or whatever. At some point down the road, once, you know, all, all of us get properly trained and, and this thing rolls out, we will now have that common experience. And I think... Um, having ownership of that and having that responsibility is a pretty awesome thing. And so that's a, that's a responsibility, that fact that we welcome, we absolutely embrace. Um, and that goes back just to everything Rusty and Maria have said, why it's so important that we do it, that we do it right, do it with integrity and character and consistency. Because again, we now, you know, have become the piece, the glue that was, the fact program becomes that unique um, um, uh, and shared uh, foreign service experience. I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think well said. I mean, that's, uh, 
I never thought of it the way you're, you're, you're saying it. Well, but that did happen when you come in, you get your, your couple weeks with your, your specialists and generalist group, then you go on and do your thing. And it's almost like closing yeah. a loop, clo- closing the circle, closing the loop on, on things. And that, you know, you, you, I, I see a ton of value, particularly at RSOs. You know, sometimes, obviously, at posts, not everyone loves security, uh, particularly at your more traditional posts where you don't think security is that important. And 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 you, I've had the experience of con- coming into contact with people, obviously before fact, they were just like, I don't really need this security brief. I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. Ho Chi Minh City, and it's safe here. And and but, right, but this right. kind of puts it on another level, and 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 allows that interaction that you're talking about, so that when they do go to post, they see the value of the security, you know, the security team, and not that we're there to just make, you know. Uh, rules that are intrusive but but you know to, to keep them safe and they also can see our skill set and know that we're not just a uh you know a guy telling you to wear your badge yeah. above your belt guy or girl sorry telling yeah. you to wear your your badge above your right. belt. right well um, <laughs> yeah well well cody you know and that's and that's important too because again one of the things you know some from a more maybe a perhaps maybe more philosophical standpoint is that you know the, the other thing that fact does is fact um, uh, is is uh, is I suppose proof as it was that that there is is a marriage and it can be a good marriage and that that diplomacy and security are 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 are, are um, symbiotic and inter interdependent disciplines right you can't do diplomacy. Um, in a vacuum and you can't do security especially overseas in a vacuum right and so so there's actually uh, very intentional pieces within the fact program where our instructors and our leadership staff are interacting with our our students and and and, and we're ensuring uh, that they understand that the days when these notions of diplomacy was was in con- conflict or vice versa security was in conflict listen the reality of the, of the world that we live in, right, shatters that illusion. It just simply does not exist, right? Um, and so, and so we, we, we're, we're honest about it. We're candid about it. We're very explicit about it. Um, you cannot do diplomacy without security and security without diplomacy. And so this notion of, 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 of um, uh, somehow that they are um, uh, not compatible Listen, fact blows that out of the water, and we have so many student critiques that uh, that that support that, and then they get it, and they see, wow, you know, we understand this now, and and they see how the fact uh, training, even though it's only five days and you know forty hours, they see how, yeah, actually, this actually makes sense. Like I've now got skills, and I've got these this new set of understanding. That is going to enable and help and inspire, you know, uh, these other sort of maybe diplomatic or political or U.S. Uh, foreign policy um, goals, and that security is going to help me achieve that. And then again, the reverse is also true. Um, um, so I, it's a, it's a really a unique thing. And listen, I don't want to you know be overly Pollyannish about it and 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 that sort of stuff. But the reality is that this is an exciting uh, program, an exciting time uh, to be a part of it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I really think, I really think that the best days are ahead of us. And, you know, once we get through this, this COVID, uh, uh, situation, um, uh, you know, I think things will open up even further. Um, uh, but until then, listen, we continue to plug away and, and, um, and again, we're all just really excited about, uh, about what's happening and what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, you know, I'm really thankful for you guys uh, to take the time and come on and talk about it um, with the breadth of knowledge from 
two special agents and Rusty who's been there forever. Uh, so let me, Rusty, you're there. You're permanently assigned, Steve. I know you just got there. Maria, you sound like you've been there a while. What's, what's next on the, on the horizon for you? Yeah, tell him what's next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I walk into that? Did I walk you into yeah. something? <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you did, Cody. This is good. This is this is this is penance. I'm interested to hear. Yeah, yeah. She 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 needs to she needs to All right. go ahead and tell us everybody. Go for it. So my time with fact, unfortunately, and um, it's, it's coming to an end as, as you're aware. And as many of our colleagues are aware that our assignments are one, two, and possibly three years in length. And this assignment was two years for me, which means my two years are coming up in at the end of September. Unfortunately for me and or fortunately, because I have to say that I am excited about where I'm going, but I, it's bittersweet, I guess you could say, because I'm very sad to be leaving, but I will be going to my next assignment at FASI in a little bit earlier than I had hoped. Although I am anxious to be in the other training unit. So the other training unit is the functional training operations unit, which supports Fact, mm-hmm, and in that uh, they are in charge of driving and medical, and the fire is a weapon team, and and they all have the instructors that support our teams. And we've already talked at length about the professionalism and the knowledge and the experience that all those instructors have. So I am very lucky to be going to the unit, and I am really looking forward to it. But I know it comes with a lot of responsibility, so. Um, it's, uh, something that, uh, that I will be going to probably in the spring is about when I'm looking at leaving possibly. We're not sure at this point. Well, it's kind of up in the air. Yeah. Right but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, Cody, there's a way we can, I don't know, man, if we can sort of Jimmy rig the system or something and prevent her from going, that's, that's, that's what we want to do where there's nobody, nobody in the FAC program is, is happy about, uh, about losing Maria. The only good thing. <laughs> The good thing is that uh, the way we've got our physical setup at Bassie, she, she won't be too far away. We'll, we'll be able to sort of, you know, grab her. And, and uh, But, I mean, again, I, I would be saying this if she, was, if she wasn't sitting here next to me. I've been working with Maria now for you know, face-to-face for two months, but, of course, we were in, you know, communication, you know, before that. But um, I don't I'm, – I'm, I'm being really candid right now. I'm just trying to think here quickly. Uh, I've worked with some fantastic agents. I don't know that I've worked with a better agent, honest to goodness. I'm sure there are some that are maybe, maybe as good, but certainly there's none that are better. So, so yeah, I, it's, 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 uh, I'm, I'm, I'm gutted. After two months, I'm gutted to be losing her, but um, we'll have to survive. And somehow, I think we will. Yeah, I think we will, right? And, and, and every position you leave, right? You know, your, your RSO here, your RSO there, and, and oh my God, oh, 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 the embassy still standing. <laughs> yeah, it does. Life goes on. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, but I mean, if there's something that we didn't talk about, maybe for your listeners, I don't know um, how much we want to go into this, but uh, I did want to point out that since COVID began, um, we did stop training, we did stop back training. And uh, we started up with some pilot classes because we had to, of course, first of all, figure out what was going on in the world with COVID. Of course, nobody knew, Um, but our leadership supported us in starting the discussions and we held a few pilot classes, kind of see what 
the requirements were going to be. And then after the few pilot classes we had in July and August, we did start training in September. And I will say that we do, we are going above and beyond the CDC requirements and even the Bureau of Medical Services, which is the organization within State Department, MED, as we call it, that supports uh, all of the medical clinics around the world, et cetera. But they are the ones that are driving the protocols that we currently use at FASC. And we are going above and beyond both CDC and and MED's requirements to make sure that we keep everyone safe. And I'm not going to obviously throw names around, um, but there have been other locations, not not State Department that I know of, that have had to uh, shut their doors or suspend training because of outbreaks. And I have to knock on wood on this one because we've been very, very lucky that we have not had to suspend fact training since it started in September. But I tell you that we do go above and beyond to make sure our students are protected and our staff are protected. And so, you know, whether it's uh, mask fittings for N95 medical screenings, and yes, it can be a hassle, but it's all about the protection of the students. We, we have students traveling from, you know, really all over the world, um, but, we have, you know, staff that lives all over this area and including in the, in the D.C. area that commute down there, down here. And like everybody in the world, we have family members that may be susceptible because they're older, just like all the students do. And we have, um, you know, whether it's older family members or people that have uh, that are medically compromised already. So we want to make sure that all of our staff comes in healthy, that they leave healthy and that our students come in on Sunday and they depart on Friday and they are as healthy as they arrived. So I do want our listeners to know whether they're students that are coming in or whoever they, they are possibly in the future that we'll be dealing with, um, that we are going above and beyond and we do take COVID extremely seriously and um, it's our number one objective is student safety and, uh, well, safety as far as COVID goes, of course, but um, as staff as well. Yeah, there's not a day, Cody, that goes by that our staff isn't having uh, very, very significant conversations about, about COVID-related issues and making sure we do it right and, and making sure that our students and, and, and staff and everybody is, is, is safe. So, yeah, that's a great point, Maria. Thank you for that. I think it's important to make sure our, our listeners understand how important we uh, what that is to us. Awesome. Any uh, closing thoughts? Rusty, I, I just feel like you've got some great closing wisdom for us. What do you got? Man? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah. Rusty is our sage, man. Rusty is the fact sage. So Rusty, why don't you lay it on us? Well, I wish I had something clever to say, but <laughs> I, I, I really don't Cody. I just think that um, it, it's, it's really important to do stuff like this. Um, we appreciate you giving us the time. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, allowing us to be part of this because we are, believe it or not, this is a mandatory course. It's mandated for anybody, you know, any foreign service officer or anybody that's going overseas that falls under chief of mission, uh, you know, the security responsibilities of, of the secretary of state, um, they have to go through this course. 
but at the same time, we're still marketing this course, you know, and it's important that we get the word out. It's important that people find out about this course. And this is something that, like I said, Sean and I started years ago. Um, and here we are, we're still doing it because it's, it's super important that, you know, we continue to work on getting people educated on what they're coming into with fact, what they're going to be exposed to and, um, and how much of a professional course it is and how professional the cadre are, um, that work in the course, uh, that believe it or not, you know, it's hard to, for people to, to understand how important it is for us to continue marketing a course that's mandatory for everybody yeah, to go yeah. through, but it really is. And so, you know, this is a good venue for us to put the word out. Um, we appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, the only closing thoughts I have is, uh, it, it's a great course. I'm really lucky to work with some really good people, um, every day. And I've got a hundred percent, confidence that anything that any curveballs that we get thrown um the the facts cadre and the staff and the agents that are involved in it are going to be able to pull it off and so that's all i got yeah and you know the point's worth if you if, if any of your listeners have sort of held on this long which you certainly hope they have uh is it is it, is it, is it it's ask fact at state.gov ask a-s-k f-a-c-t ask fact at state.gov and and uh, our staff is all over that. So if there's any questions or anything, follow up or we're, we're, we're happy to jump in and, and provide any additional information. But um, yeah, Cody, man, listen, I listen, really appreciate it. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. It's also given us a chance to, to do something fun outside, outside the office. I mean, the sort of listeners can't, can't obviously see this, but, um, and I won't go down this rabbit hole, but uh, we're sitting behind in this nice fire. But of course you can see, or sorry, in front of this fire. And we've got a Christmas tree to our right. And we're, we're in, we're in, a, we're in a, 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 you know, a private home that is decorated for the holidays. And so I was joking. It feels like, it feels like this is like a fact holiday Hallmark Christmas movie or something like that. You know? <laughs> I'd like to caveat that we're also socially distanced. Six yeah, years. yeah. Of course, we're, of course, we're socially distanced. Uh, of course, but yeah. So, uh, so yeah. And thanks, thanks for the opportunity. It's, it's just fun to fun to do stuff like this. And I'm hope I'm hopeful that uh, that uh, you know listeners have found uh, some, some some value here. And uh, like I said, shoot us an email if there's any questions. And and uh, yeah, and man, Cody, thanks 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 a lot, man, for, for letting us come on. No, I'm sure they. Uh, I'm sure they, they will find it interesting, and uh, no, I'm I'm thankful for you guys to come on. So this is this is uh, this is great, and I'll spread the word as much as I can. You know, uh, yes, listen, we'll do the same. Yeah, Cody, thank you so much for hosting us, and you, you do a great, great job. You're very professional in the way that you hosted us. So I appreciate the questions and the prompting and um, the conversation. Yeah. But thank thanks uh, thanks to you guys for coming on, okay. and uh, I'll stop recording, and then and then we'll keep chatting. Stand by. All right, all right. Thank you, Steve, Maria, and Rusty for coming on the show. Truly uh, professional individuals, and you certainly represent the State Department well. Um, If those of you who enjoy the podcast are interested in learning more about the Diplomatic Security Service, I happen to have written a book. It's called Agents Unknown, True Stories of Life as a Special Agent in the Diplomatic Security Service. It can be found on my website, CodyPeron.com, C-O-D-Y-P-E-R-R-O-N.com, or on Amazon where it's in paperback. It's an audio version, and it is available in digital, whether on Kindle or you want to get it on uh, the iBooks platform. You can get it there as well. 
Uh, also, my website is my Instagram, uh, my social media, uh, YouTube, where I do videos of life as a DSS special agent. People submit questions, and I just answer some questions, very casual uh, responses to questions. You can check me out there. Um, also on the website are some T-shirts and some hoodies. We have some high threat protection getting you off the X hoodies, T-shirts. I have a knuckle draggers, do work and chill T-shirt. And, um, you know, we're going to be coming out with some more items here in the near future. So finally, I would add the Facebook group. If you're interested in becoming a DSS special agent, there's a Facebook group that I put so that we can build a community of future potential agents and current active agents. And we just talk and network and hopefully give great insight into the job. I know there are other forums out there that uh, have a ton of information and a lot of it's not true. So this is a, this is kind of a, a spot for, to break through the clutter. So feel free to fill out the questions uh, when prompted and join that group if you are a DS Special Agent and you want to help out and or if you are an aspiring DS Special Agent and you want to learn more. So check it out, Becoming a DSS Special Agent. Again, information can be found on my website, CodyPeron.com. And if you have questions, info at CodyPeron.com. I get back to everyone. I always get back. If I don't, that's not intentional. I will get back to you at some point. Just ping me again. But that is my purpose. That is my point is to get back to you whenever possible. So thanks all for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks, y'all. Out. Mm-hmm.